Dale Evans and Danger in Crooked Canyon Chapter 7 Night Raid Dale and Lefty rode into the camp about supper time with the limping buttermilk. They took buttermilk over to the remuda and Dale examined his leg again. Red Silvers hurried over. He knelt beside buttermilk and ran his strong hands down the buckskin's fetlock. Not bad, he said finally. But you'd better not ride him for a few days. Dale sighed and patted Buttermilk's neck. She and the buckskin were almost inseparable. She left slowly and followed Lefty and Red towards the chuck wagon where Sourdough and Benny were. The cowboys, after a hard day's work, were beginning to gather around the chuck wagon with anticipation. From what Dale saw of the meal, as she passed by the chuck wagon, they had every right to be eager. Sourdough had surely done himself proud this evening. Big juicy steaks, mountains of potatoes, and gravy. Just the kind of a meal the boys liked best. Better hurry, Miss Dale, Red called. When those bears get turned loose on the grub, it disappears fast. Dale grinned and waved. She knew that Sourdough would never commit the unpardonable sin of not cooking enough for a hungry crew. Sourdough had a basin of clean water and a fresh towel waiting for her. While Dale washed her face and hands and combed her short brown curls behind the chuck wagon, the cowboys were getting their plates filled. Fill her up, Benny. I could eat a mule tonight. Here's another one, and give me lots of that good hot coffee. Dale smiled. She liked nothing better than to see the cowboys eating with gusto. It meant that they were happy. When she came around the chuck wagon, Sourdough had a plate filled for her. He had placed a neat pile of potatoes beside the steak and made a little well in top to hold the gravy. Dale sat down on a rock and balanced her plate on her knee. There were lots of jokes and horseplay with the crew when they were relaxing. She watched Steve Hampton and Chuck Grady wrestling. My money's on old lanky hambone, Lefty said. But Chuck, he had the shoulders, Juan put in. They played as hard as they worked and would do anything for Dale. She wondered if she was being fair to them. She waited until they had quieted down a little and then she put her coffee cup down. Fellows, Dale said, there was something to her tone, a voice that made them all turn to look. The situation in the valley is becoming more tense every day. It's certain there's going to be some scraps. Last night a man was prowling around the ranch. He might. Well, I don't want any of you to. Hold on here, Miss Dale. We know what you're trying to say. None of us are going to quit. We ain't going to run from nobody. The Navajos or Big Russ's outfit? I just wanted to be sure you understood, Dale said, feeling a tightness in her throat. Dale, riding Pinto, led Buttermilk home. She rubbed his ankle with liniment and bound it. When he had eaten his oats, she locked him in a stall. She walked slowly up to the ranch house and stood on the veranda, but didn't go in. Something kept worrying her, nagging at the back of her mind. She tried to remember what it was. Two horse. Her mind kept coming back to him. Why had he been prowling around the box canyon where the cattle were pinned? And the incident of the, of the signals this afternoon. Suddenly Dale made up her mind. She saddled Pinto after having turned him into the corral, and they left the ranch yard. Buttermilk nickered slowly, 
and hung his head over the rail of his stall. I know, boy, I feel just like you do, Dale said, as they passed out of sight. Pinto felt strange under her. He didn't handle the way Buttermilk did. He didn't respond to her touch or the tone of her voice. He moved slowly and stiffly to her command. Yet Pinto was a good animal for the range work. It took time to train a horse the way Buttermilk had been trained. But she couldn't help wishing, as she jogged along on Pinto, that she was riding Buttermilk. All was quiet at the camp. Most of the crew had turned into their sleeping bags. A small campfire kept the coffee in the big black pot hot. Chuck and Hambone were on night watch. She could barely make out their shadows lounging near the gate to the box. In a few minutes, they got on their horses and rode to the far end of the box canyon. They rode leisurely back. Everything was peaceful. Too peaceful, Dale thought. It should be about ten o'clock, she decided, glancing at the moon. The Navas hose had not left Crooked Canyon until full dark. The two nights she had been there, it was possible they were in the valley now. They might be approaching camp. Dale dismounted and put her ear to the ground. She heard the rhythmic beat and several horses riding hard over the mesa. It wasn't likely to be cowboys this time of night, unless Big Russ had sent his crew on some mission. Dale circled the small blaze and approached the camp from the side. Chuck, Hambone, it's Dale Evans, she called quickly. Sure is a good thing you called, Miss Dale, Chuck said, appearing as if out of nowhere. Dale tied Pinto's reins hurriedly. Better douse that fire, Chuck, she whispered. Yes, ma'am, Chuck said hurriedly. Wake Juan, too, she called after him. When Juan came, Dale whispered a few words to him. Juan nodded, then disappeared noiselessly among the horses. He worked so swiftly and quietly that the horses didn't stir or whinny. Let's push the chuck wagon up against that boulder, Dale said. More protection there. Benny was sleeping beneath the chuck wagon at one end and sourdough at the other. They rolled out of their blankets sleepily as the wagon began to move. You can go back to sleep as soon as we get the wagon moved, Dale told them. Sourdough followed carrying his boots and walking gingerly over the ground, trying to avoid the rocks. Benny dragged his boots and blankets through the dirt after him. Go on back to sleep, Dale said, as they pushed the wagon against the boulder. We were just trying to put the chuck wagon in a safer place. Juan was through with the horses in the remuda now. Dale walked up beside him. What do you think, Juan? Are we having visitors? The Mexican man walked away from the remuda to the open ground. He stretched out on the ground and put his ear flat against it. He stayed there several minutes. When he rose, he nodded his head. We have visitors coming fast. Wake the boys, Dale said briefly. Tell them to saddle up. Let Sourdough and Benny stay where they are. Dale sprang on Pinto, wishing desperately for the dependability of buttermilk tonight. She stationed herself near the gate and fence across the box. She was soon joined by Chuck and Hambone, then Juan. When Red Silvers dashed up to the gate, he took command. You fellers are outlined through the gate, he said. Get back against the rocks. Miss Dale, I want you out of the way. I'll be all right, Red, Dale protested. 
If I only had buttermilk, you can have Buck tonight, Red said. He handles a lot like buttermilk. Buck was Buttermilk's brother, and he was used to range work because he was such a fast and excellent rope horse. Oh, but that's part of your string, Dale said quickly. I can only ride one horse, Red reminded her, and I've already got Concho saddled. Then I'll get Buck, Dale said. Quickly, quickly, Juan urged. With Red outside her, Dale found Buck in the remuda and tossed a saddle on him. She tightened the cinch strap and jumped in the saddle. Back in her place where Red had told her to stay, with Juan on one side and Lefty on the other, Dale pulled Buck behind a cedar clump and against the red rocks along the box. Down the line towards the corral gate, nothing was to be seen. The boys were well hidden. No one could tell the box was being guarded. Only on occasion creak of leather or the rustling of hoofs on the gravel told that anyone was near. Soon now, Juan whispered at Dale's elbow, they are walking their horses. Will they go into the box to try to chase the cattle out? Perhaps, Juan shrugged his shoulders, but Red and Hambone are there. Oh dear, Dale worried. I hope no one gets hurt. Juan disappeared. Quiet reigned in the valley. Dale moved uneasily in the saddle, as she remembered that her horse was not buttermilk, although Buck resembled his brother and was a fast-paced buckskin. The waiting silence were nerve-wracking. If the Navajos were coming, they were taking their time. They should have attacked before now. Perhaps they had gone on to Pete Gibbs' spread, which lay just beyond Dale's ranch. She thought, hopefully, Juan must have been wrong. Suddenly the night was torn asunder with noise. It was hard to tell which direction it came from. Directly in front of her, there was gunfire and shouting and Indians on horseback racing by in clouds of dust. In the box beyond the gate and fence, there was more noise. From behind the cattle came shouts and gunfire. The cattle, roused by the gunfire, were surging towards the gate and rail fence. Anything to escape the frightening things happening to in the rear of them. The boys remained hidden so far, except for Red and Hambone, who were trying to turn the cattle back. Look out, Dale yelled, as the cattle surged forward again, and a few of them broke through the gate and rails. You'll be crushed. She got an occasional glimpse in the darkness of tall, lanky Hambone and Red, waving their hats and shooting their guns. The cows turned back for a moment, and then they rushed forward again. At practically the same instant, Red and Hambone scrambled over the top rail and outside the gate. The cows hit the fence. There was a loud, splattering crash as the frightened animals hit. Dale could stand still no longer. Come on, Buck, let's go. The big horse darted through the brush and into the thick of the fray, as if he enjoyed the excitement. Lefty and Juan had covered the hole made in the fence, with only one cow escaping into the brush. "'Get back, Miss Dale!' Red called, but Dale came on. A bullet whizzed past Buck's head, and the horse shied, then sped on. All around Dale was confusion and noise and choking dust. She heard the sound of hoofbeats leaving the camp, and knew the remuda had been chased off. Someone leaning low on a, on a scraggy pony fled by. The next instant, Dale was flying through the air 
with a somersault and landed head first in the sand. She bent, doubled, and rolled. All the wind was knocked out of her. A horse sped by, and its flying hoofs almost hit her head. Dale gasped for air. Someone leapt from his horse beside her and pulled her to her feet and out of the path of speeding horses. You should not have been here tonight with buttermilk, a rough voice said. And for a second time that day, Dale heard the anger in two horses' voice. She tried to rub the sand from her eyes to see. Miss Dale, where are you? Lefty's frantic voice called. Dale spit the sand from her mouth and struggled to stand. Two horse jumped back in his saddle and disappeared in the noise and confusion around them. Here, Lefty, Dale gasped. Lefty was beside her in an instant and pulling her farther back among the rocks. What happened? I think somebody roped Buck, Dale gasped, trying to clean her face of the sand. Where is he now? They, they must have taken him. I knew no good would come of your being here, said Red, his voice sorrowful, in the midst of all the confusion and noise. I, I'm sorry about Buck. It doesn't matter about him, Red said. It's you. We've got to take care of you. Lefty, you stay here with her and don't let her out of your sight. There was another splintering crash at the gate as the bawling cattle hit it. Red spun Concho around and left quickly. Lefty made Dale sit down. Her chest hurt when she took a deep breath, and her head throbbed painfully. She was still rubbing dirt from her face and eyes. Dale became conscious slowly of a difference in the noise about her. She realized she didn't hear the Indians now. There was no more gunfire and blood-curdling yells, only the frightened, bawling cattle and shouts of cowboys were left. The raid was over. The Navajos had gone. Everybody okay? Red called. Come on in to be counted. The boys came in slowly on their horses, Hambone, Chuck, Juan, and all the others. Dale breathed easier when she saw all of them safe. What scared the Navajos? They sure took off in a hurry, Lefty said. Don't know. They were there one minute and the next they had vamoosed, Hambone said. Probably regrouping their forces, Red said. They'll be back in a minute. Better be ready. No, Juan said. They go. Only they know why. I I think I know why, Dale said, remembering two horses' words. She shivered uncontrollably. They thought Buck was buttermilk, and Yellow Singer had sworn to get buttermilk. Let's go after them, Chuck said. We can't in the dark. No, in the dark the odds are all against us. A knife is swift and deadly in the dark, Juan added. Sourdough limped up to the group. He held his hand on his forehead. Anybody seen Benny? he asked. Benny? He was with you at the chuck wagon. Sourdough shook his head. They dragged him out from under the chuck wagon and hit him on the head when I tried to stop him. They, they took Benny? Dale cried. They'll hurt him. Sourdough sat down abruptly, as if knees had given out. Dale saw a dark spot of blood on his forehead. You're hurt, Sourdough, Dale said. We better get you to the chuck wagon and fix your head. I sure did like that kid, Benny, Sourdough moaned, as they helped him to the wagon. Best helper I ever had. It was 
a dispirited bunch that gathered around a small campfire. The Navajos hadn't gotten the cattle, but they had taken two things. The more important was Benny. Dale bathed the deep gash on Sourdough's head and bound it in clean handkerchief. Juan made a pot of coffee, and the tired cowboys filled their cups. As soon as you boys finish your coffee, Lefty, Red said, fix the brakes in the fence to last until morning. Glancing at the position of the stars and the moon, Dale figured it was well past midnight. She watched Red gulp the last of his coffee. Got to get you home and to bed where you belong, Red said to the chuck wagon boss. Sourdough frowned. How will you manage breakfast? Juan here is a pretty good hash slinger. Sourdough's chin jutted out. Nobody's messes up my chuck wagon or kitchen. I'm sleeping right here tonight. He stalked off angrily to the chuck wagon and straightened his blankets beneath it. Sourdough old coot, Red murmured. Dale shook her head at Red. Let him go. You'll hurt his feelings if you insist. Then you've got to go home, he said firmly, and Dale didn't argue. She rose swiftly, every muscle in her body sore and aching. Red took Dale home and saw her safely inside the door of the ranch house. Miss Dale, Red said patiently, if you will just give me the orders and let me see that they're carried out, you won't have to put your life in such danger. And for once, Dale felt almost like doing just that. Chapter 8 Two Horse the next morning, Dale walked slowly and painfully across the ranch yard to the corral. The tumble she had taken over the head of Buck last night had hurt more than her dignity, she thought. She had not known she had so many muscles that ached. Buttermilk nickered happily to see her. Dale examined his ankle and made him pace for her. He wasn't limping today, but she knew she shouldn't be riding him. Besides, she was more than anxious to have him hidden. Dale led him back to his stall and locked the gate. Buttermilk's head dropped. Sorry, boy, Dale said. I don't feel much better about the whole thing than you do. With a gentle pat, she reluctantly left Buttermilk with hay and water in his stall and a bag of oats. She eyed her saddle hanging on a peg and then looked at Pinto. Finally, she lifted the saddle painfully and tossed it on the paint's back and tightened the cinch strap. Outside, Tony, Josita's son, was lounging nearby, and Dale called to him. Tony, watch the corral well today. Don't let anyone in. See, Miss Dale, I do, Tony grinned. As Dale rode out of the ranch yard, she saw Lefty pounding leather for the corral. When he got near, she saw that his face was white. Red sent me to tell you that we haven't found Benny or Buck, he called. Dale shook her head sadly. They must have taken the boy and the horse back to their camp. You know, Dale, I can't figure that yellow singer. He's not acting like a Navajo. No, he's not acting like a Navajo, agreed Dale. And now we have to stop him before he causes any more trouble. Someone better stop him, or sourdough will, Lefty laughed. Dale, too, had to laugh at the thought of the old cook charging into the Navajo camp with his frying pan. How is sourdough today, Lefty? Grouchy as a mean old brown bear and just came out of hibernation. Dale turned Pinto around quickly. Lefty, tell Red I'm going into San Rafael. Okay, Miss Dale. 
Get the sheriff. We sure could use him around now. Later, as she rode into San Rafael, Dale's thoughts were on the boy Benny. What was happening to him in the Navajo camp? And also she wondered about the horse buck. Would he be mistreated at the hands of Yellow Singer's men? She could only hope that the big horse would escape before Yellow Singer discovered that he wasn't buttermilk. Dale decided to go to Doc's first to see Brother Whitehair, then straight to Sheriff Rivers, and tell him everything she knew. It seemed to her that the sheriff ought to have been looking into the trouble before this. Of course, he was an old man, and maybe wasn't as sharp as he used to be. In his younger days, he would have never allowed the whole county to be torn by such strife. Dale stopped at docks at the edge of town. "'Thought I'd see how your patient's getting along,' she said when Doc spied her through his office door at the front of his house. "'Go right on in, Dale,' Doc said. "'The missus is there.' Then he lowered his voice. "'Sure hope the trouble out at Crooked Canyon is quieting. Brother Whitehair insists he's going back just as soon as he's well enough. Another nasty accident like that, and he won't live long enough to tell the story.' "'Keep him as long as you can,' Dale said. Brother Whitehair was pale but smiling when Dale came in, but Dale could see he was worried about his people in Crooked Canyon. "'I'm sure it's Yellow Singer's causing all the trouble, but I'm afraid my people will be blamed.' "'Don't worry,' Dale said. "'Everything's quieting down.' Dale left after a short visit with the old man. When she rode down one street of San Rafael, she saw the sheriff's horse with his reins looped over the hitch rail in front of the jail. She left Pinto beside the sheriff's horse and started toward the door. Dale, the sheriff called and opened the door for her. What are you doing in town? I thought you'd be resting up from your couple of days in Crooked Canyon. So he knew about it. Have the children been found yet? No, Dale said hotly, and I don't think anybody wants them found, not even Two-Horse. Two-Horse? Yes, Dale said, and she told him the whole story and the peculiar thing Two-Horse had done in particular. When she had finished, Sheriff Rivers roared with laughter. He leaned back in his swivel chair at his desk and tossed his head back. Forgive me, Dale, ha, 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 the sheriff said, his gray mustache quivering. "'Well, if you tell me what's so funny, I could laugh, too,' Dale said stiffly. "'Well, it's like this,' Sheriff Rivers said, trying to catch his breath. "'I appointed Two-Horse my deputy a couple of weeks ago "'to go up to Crooked Canyon and investigate what was going on there. "'We both thought you figured that out, and when you saw him sending me signals. "'And that day on the mountain, Two-Horse had thought that Dale knew about the signals for the sheriff.' When he stuck the mirror back in his pocket and turned around, he had been startled to find Dale staring at him. He had been angry, angry with himself because he hadn't watched more carefully, and angry with Dale for putting herself in danger again. He knew he was always being watched by Yellow Singer, or by one of his men. Today he had been trailed by Charlie Bean, who was one of Yellow Singer's best trackers. All morning, Charlie had been on his trail, following close behind him, just far enough away to keep out of sight most of the time. But Two-Horse knew he was there. He had spotted him a couple of times lurking behind bushes. Two-Horse and Thunder moved in perfect rhythm as the big horse loped 
over the high country both knew so well. The men understanding horses expected of thunder obedience and strength, and the horse never failed him. Go, two horse would command, and the heavy animal would shoot forward, his powerful muscles gathering themselves for whatever might be ahead of them. But now two horse held thunder in check for the time when they would need his great strength. They had been traveling all morning. Two horse had remembered a place high in the mountains above Fidelia's ranch, where he and Nimblefoot had gone last year. They had camped beside a crystal clear lake of mountain water. Nimblefoot had dived into the icy lake and caught trout with his bare hands. Two horse thought the boy might have taken candy there. But after a thorough search of the lake vicinity, he was convinced that no other human being had been in the small valley for months. His failure to find the children was a burden almost too heavy to bear. Two horse mounted thunder and slowly rode out of the valley. He had hoped he would find the children today. Last night, black eyes had cried softly and silently far into the night. This morning, her eyes were red and swollen with weeping. Go stay with Shama today while I am gone, Two Horse said, patting her shoulder awkwardly. When he left in the early dawn, he saw Black Eyes, her head bowed in her blanket, going towards her mother's hogan. And Fidelia must be longing in the same way for candy, Two Horse knew. He did not like to admit defeat, but he left the valley with a heavy heart and the feeling of dread at returning to Crooked Canyon tonight without Nimblefoot and Candy. Now he was aware of Charlie close on his trail, and in an hour or so by the sun, it would be time to send the message to the sheriff. Charlie was going to have to be shaken. Two horse slouched in the saddle and appeared to be half asleep. He angled casually up the side of a steep mountain, following a little used trail towards Crooked Canyon. He rode slowly until he was almost to the top, hidden by a thick growth of pines. Two horse leaned forward. Go, he commanded. Thunder tightened his muscles, haunched his powerful shoulders, and shot forward. He worked his way swiftly to the top. Two horse rode on until they came to a certain tree, with a large branch hanging over the trail. There he quickly tossed his rope over the branch and tied a big loop in it. He scarcely tied the other end of the rope to Thunder. He placed Thunder down the slope and behind Brush growing at the base of the tree. Then, hurrying, a horse approached. Two horse scrambled quickly up the tree and hid among the thick branches. Charlie came into sight down the trail, clipping along at a fast rate, keeping his eyes on the trail left by thunder. Two horse waited until there were only... Two horse waited until they were under the tree, and then he swung the rope down. It cart Charlie around the chest and pinned both arms at his side. He was lifted neatly off the back of his horse, who kept on running without his rider. The animal looked over his shoulder at his owner at the odd action, but did not stop. Two horse and thunder at the same moment jerked on the rope and pulled it tight. Charlie dangled from the branch with his toes barely touching the ground. Momentarily, the wind was knocked out of him. Quickly, Tour horse scrambled to an opposite branch and jumped to the ground. He wound the rope around the trunk of a sturdy oak and made it fast. 
With one glance at Charlie, who was beginning to catch his breath and look around, Two Horse quickly led Thunder down the slope to the ravine and out of Charlie's sight. Presently he turned Thunder, and they climbed towards the ridge. There he sent the message to the sheriff about how little progress he was making. His mind was on the signals and on Charlie when he had turned from the ridge to see Dale. But now that Dale was headed towards the valley, where Two Horse felt she was fairly safe, he returned slowly to the trail where he had left Charlie. It was nearing dark, and Charlie probably would not be found until morning if someone hadn't already run across him, and in the darkness a wild animal might be tempted to attack a helpless man. Two Horse rode casually on the hillside above Charlie, knowing that the man who was as he had been left, could see him. He appeared not to notice Charlie. Hey! Charlie yelled, struggling to make his voice loud enough to be heard. Two horse looked around in surprise. He shaded his eyes as he peered down the mountain at the dangling figure. Inwardly, he was grinning at the ingenuity of his. Charlie! Two horse yelled. Who tied you? Where's your horse? He pressed thunder down the hillside towards Charlie. Don't know, Charlie said, his lower lip curling. He must have had a good idea who had tied him up. Cut the rope, he growled. But Two Horse carefully worked the knots loose and pulled the rope over Charlie's head. Charlie moved his arms gingerly. Hurt? Two Horse asked. Stiff, Charlie said. If he noticed that Two Horse's rope was gone from his saddle, Charlie said nothing. Two Horse gathered the rope and hung it on Thunder's side. He didn't like to overload his horse, but Charlie looked at him help, hopefully as he swung into the saddle. Got to get back, Charlie said. Yellow Singer need me. Get on, Two Horse said. We'll, lock, we'll look for your horse. Charlie jumped on Thunder's broad rump. The big horse glanced around at the added weight, but moved up to the trail at the command. As Two Horse suspected, they found Charlie's horse a short way up the trail, grazing happily. Charlie jumped on the ground. There's your horse, Two Horse said, pointing. That way to Crooked Canyon. Charlie lowered his eyes. He sprang on the bare back of his scrawny pony, lashed him viciously with a limb, and headed up the trail. He gave a surly look over his shoulder at Two Horse and then went on. Two Horse watched him go and waited until he was out of sight, and then he turned in the opposite direction. Yellow Singer had not made a raid in the valley last night. He probably would go on one tonight. That was the reason Charlie had to get back. Two Horse rode to the forks and hid Thunder in the deep brush in the early twilight. A couple of blue jays, who hadn't finished their conversation earlier in the day, were haranguing one another before they settled down for the night. A flicker called to them angrily once, then a mockingbird took up the chorus. Suddenly everything was quiet. Two horse smoothed Thunder's neck. Hoofbeats of several horses pounded down the trail. The riders stopped in the shadows above the fork. Yellow Singer was, was giving directions, but Two Horse couldn't hear what he was saying. The riders split into groups, and each small group took off down a different fork. Two Horse nodded, so this was why he had lost them in the other night. At a safe distance, he followed Yellow Singer's group. 
He knew that they would all meet with the old medicine man later. Yellow Singer took them on a roundabout route across a lush meadow and through a draw. And through a draw. At last they came out into the open, and Two Horse knew they were going to raid Dale Evans' ranch. He hoped she was safe at her ranch tonight and not be riding alone like last night. Yellow Singer and his men stopped at a huge boulder with shrubbery tree growing nearby. Two Horse hid thunder and crawled closer. Soon the group was joined by the other riders. For the first time, Two Horse got a good look at the group. He was surprised to see that it consisted not only of Yellow Singer had brought from the east. None of the Crooked Canyon Navajos were in the group. There was Charlie and Fox and Sharp-Nosed Apache and Oot with a scar across the side of his face. Yellow Singer's other fellows were of the same character, footloose hard men and homeless. They did. Why did they pick Crooked Canyon to make a home? Two Horse wondered. Yellow Singer showed his craftiness when they discussed the raid. At one time, he did. He appeared to take the lead. He had incited his men, so now he could sit back and let them do the damage. How we go? he asked in a guttural voice. Like we split up before, Charlie said. Me and my boys stampede the cattle. We get Benny, Fox said. I get the horse, Yellow Singer said at last. They melted quickly into the night. Two horse jumped on thunder and followed slowly. There was nothing he could do to warn Dale of her outfit. He hoped they were preparing for the raid. He stayed hidden when the raid began until he heard Dale shout. And he saw her knocked from her horse. He saw Yellow Singer wheel his mount and spur him directly at Dale. Go! Two horse yelled. Thunder leapt into flight. Two horse roughly jerked Dale aside. Just an instant before Yellow Singer's horse pounded by, the medicine man saw two horse and hate flare in his face. As he tried to turn his horse, he raised his gun. Two horse, laying low on Thunder's back, sped away. The bullets aimed at him went wild, but he heard Yellow Singer pounding after him. Go, two horse said at Thunder. Faster! The big horse stretched out, and Yellow Singer was left behind. Suddenly, out of the night, a couple of horses raced towards them. Two horse quickly pulled Thunder behind a clump of bushes. Just as he did, the Ute and another Indian rode by with Benny. Two horse got on one look at Benny's frightened face and bandaged head before they disappeared. Two horse spurred Thunder after them, but in the noise and confusion, they were lost to him. Then he heard the raiders pound off and leaving the brawling, fighting cattle, the dazed cowboy's outfit behind them. Two horse followed, but took the upper trail back to Crooked Canyon, as he didn't want to meet Yellow Singer or any of his band while returning. Hard riding found him nearing Crooked Canyon a couple of hours later. Two horse dismounted and led Thunder quietly over the back trail, and as he passed Charlie's Hogan, he saw his pony tied to the door. After turning Thunder into his brush corral, Two Horse slipped further up the canyon. Slowly he circled Yellow Singer's Hogan. All was dark and silent there. But as he moved away, his eyes caught a flicker of light through the dense trees up the slope. Cautiously, Two Horse crept towards the light. At last he saw the campfire through the trees and Benny tied slightly, tied tightly to a pole near it. 
Around Binny and the campfire circle, two guards watching him continuously. Two horrors contemplated trying to rescue Binny. He would take time to cut his ropes, and there were the two guards to think about. They were prowling restlessly and moving close together. Better to wait for a more opportune time, Two Horse thought, but he wanted Benny to know that he was there. Benny's head was hanging down on his chest as if he were asleep. Two Horse waited until the guards had their backs turned, and then he tossed a pebble at Benny. Benny jerked his head up suddenly and stared around him. His guards swung around at his sudden movement. Two Horse ducked back behind some bushes. Benny, with his guard's eyes on him, lowered his head and appeared to be asleep again. The guard swung back to their restless walking. Benny slowly lifted his head. Two Horse cautiously stood up behind the bush and made a sign of encouragement. With his hands clasped, Benny grinned before he lowered his head again.